listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. The music has been provided by Ben Howington. You can find his music at mormonguitar.com. Hi, my name is Carla Long, and I'm bringing you a short and extra shot of the Project Zion podcast. Today, I'm introducing you to Tony and Charmaine Chevala-Smith. I'm excited to introduce you to them, and I know that you will love them as much as I do after hearing more. Tony, Charmaine, welcome. Hi, Carla. Hi, Good Carla. to be Thanks. here. So, Tony, Charmaine, tell us more about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where'd you come from? I grew up in central Michigan. I've had family there since the 1870s, so we're longtime Michigan people. My father is a retired factory worker. My mother is a retired nursing home cook. I encountered Community of Christ when I was 18 years old and uh, discovered that I had a little bit of family history in it. We had actually grown up Methodist. And so uh, when I was in junior high, we stopped going to church for most of the rest of <clears throat> my junior high and high school. And uh, then when I discovered Community of Christ, I became interested as an 18-year-old, so I've been active since then. And I'm originally from Saskatchewan in Western Canada. <clears throat> Grew up on a farm outside of, well, about 10 miles out of North Battleford. I'm one of seven children, and my mom was a church member, uh, RLDS at the time. But we lived about 100 miles away from the nearest congregation. So for me, um, church was one week of youth camp every summer and was the thing that not only me, but all of my siblings looked forward to. It was uh, a week away from all the hard labor of being on a farm and a place where you didn't have to do dishes every meal and where... For me, I think for the others as well, God became real. This was no longer just having our mom teach the pre-baptismal classes or tell us about the church or its history, but this was a time when God's realness met us. So camp was was the highlight of the year for for all of us. And you can kind of tell that because when we would be doing some particularly onerous task, uh, on the farm, whether it was picking rocks in the spring or bailing in the summer, end of summer, um, we would, on our ways out to the field and on the way back, we would be singing camp songs. And somehow that brought joy in the midst of some really difficult times. So that was my early beginnings in the church was one week of camp every summer. And I, and I still think that in some ways I saw the church at its best. And then as a young adult, actually, <clears throat> my last year of high school, I was very prayerful about what was it I could do for God. And 
for the year after uh, graduating from grade 12, um, I traveled with a 70 on a youth missionary team for a year. And that brought me into the realities of church life and congregational life like I had not had never, not been exposed to before and brought some new understanding and realism to my understandings of the church and was an, just an amazing experience. And so that's kind of my beginning and always feeling, even from that time in grade 12, that if I would try to be attuned to it, that, that there were things I could do for God. So it's a good start. It is a good start. Thanks. So it sounds like you both came from humble beginnings in some ways. Um, so what do you do now for the church and for Graceland University? Can you explain what you are doing at this moment? Mm-hmm. Just in the past year, we've switched employment from being full-time community of Christ, where we had been scripture and theology specialists uh, since 2006, and before that, from 1996 to 2006, had been serving in a role uh, called theologian in residence, a role that we, we shared. So just in the past, well, just since November, we've switched to uh, full-time employment with Community of Christ Seminary, which is a graduate school connected to Graceland University, the church's, the church's college. So I am an assistant professor of theology and scripture at Community of Christ Seminary, and I hold a chair called the Paul E. Morden uh, Seminary Chair in Religion. Uh, we teach graduate classes and undergraduate classes, but we still have a part-time role with Community of Christ. We still are available as consultants and still have an office in headquarters and still have a variety of things that we do uh, for the church. Yeah. In our classroom times, both in the undergrad at Graceland and in seminary, I I typically am either working behind the scenes or kind of in an assistant role. But I'm also at the seminary, I'm the chaplain and also am the kind of the events coordinator for our our focus weeks, our face-to-face sessions um, that happen with uh, several of our classes here in Independence. One of the other things that I also work with is the spiritual formation team, and especially uh, quite a bit of focus with the spiritual formation and companioning program. And that's, we have two retreats a year, um, and they they take an awful lot of coordinating and uh, kind of ongoing work with the participants. So that's a, another big part of what I do. Also, I'm a spiritual director, and so I do spiritual direction with a number of people, and I'm also an evangelist in Community of Christ. So I'm also working with, I think presently, four or five people in preparation for their evangelist blessing. So we keep pretty busy. We also teach classes um, throughout the church, sometimes weekend classes, sometimes week-long classes on scripture, on history of community of Christ, on sometimes other classes that are more, have a narrower theological perspective, or uh, on particular books of the Bible, depending on what different jurisdictions might want us to come in and teach. So those are also things that we do um, some, you know, once or twice a month uh, throughout the year. So we get to travel, we get to uh, be with people 
we get usually do one or two camps or reunions each summer, so we have uh, more exposure to youth and young adults as well. So we're uh, very blessed to get to do all the different things we do. So it sounds like you both have a pretty big responsibility when it comes to education, education of uh, young adults at Graceland University in your undergrad classes and education for our working ministers and non-working ministers in the Community of Christ Seminary. So how did you get from, like I said before, your humble beginnings of growing up Methodist and growing up on a farm far away from any RLDS, Community of Christ congregation, how did you get from there to where you are now? Well, I guess in my immediate family, I was the first person to go to university. So my my family on both sides are working class people. My mother's parents were farmers. My father's parents were, he was a factory worker and she was a, a waitress in a hotel. So university or college wasn't always part of the plan. But um, back in the 1970s, university education was fairly inexpensive and and so uh it was it was uh, something that I kind of stumbled into. I would say that when I started university I was not really a, a practicing Christian. I had not discovered this church yet and I was I was going to university to become a lawyer. <laughs> um I the reason I was going to become a lawyer was my dad had tried to talk me into this um because I had a hunting habit, and he said, to, I remember him saying to me, uh, you know, uh, big game hunting around the world is an expensive hobby, so what do you think about law? <laughs> and I said, yeah, sure, why not? And so you so, wanted to become a lawyer so that you could support your hunting habit. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And so uh, when I started university, that was my my goal, but I had a series of very important spiritual transformations in that first year of university study. One of them was that uh, I discovered that that Jesus Christ was actually real and that by committing myself to him, my life looked and felt different. So that happened in my first semester. And about the same time, I began visiting an old high school teacher of mine whom I really didn't know was an RLDS 70. I was going to visit him just to talk about politics. And I'd had him in in, uh, in high school and thought he was a great teacher, enjoyed him a lot. I knew that he knew my grandpa Smith somehow, but I was not interested in why or how. So I started hanging around him and he, of course, as a missionary in the RLDS church saw me as fresh meat. <laughs> and so um, little by little, he began introducing me to the church and introducing me to the fact that that my father was an inactive member and that my grandpa and grandma Smith were active members, which I didn't know, even though I grew up in the same town with them, and that my great-grandparents had been RLDS members uh, too. So, so that's kind of that that was a major change for me and i was i was baptized in the winter of 1975 and uh, right away i started experiencing this this sense of divine calling in my life i wasn't quite sure how to put words on it but basically what it was 
was a, a draw towards theological study. And in the 1970s in the RLDS Church Community of Christ, theology was still kind of a dirty word. But something in me was, was pulling me in that direction. And um, it wasn't until later in that year when I had my evangelist blessing that this, I had this incredible experience of God confirming that that I'd been perceiving this right and that actually God wanted me to do this. And so I redirected all of my undergraduate education towards preparing to go on for uh, MDiv study afterwards and for PhD study after that. So that was kind of my 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 focus. And um, I, sometimes people people ask me, you know, when when did you first realize you wanted to be a theologian? And on on reflection, I've I've looked back and I remember when I was a little boy uh, and we were active Methodists. I used to explore the woods around our home, and across the road from our house was an old abandoned gravel pit. I used to go over there and look for fossils, uh, which were so cool to me. Dinosaurs and fossils were cool were cool to little kids in the 1960s, too. <laughs> and um, this one particular Sunday, I, I raised my hand in Sunday school. I must have been 10 or 11, probably 10. And I asked the Sunday school teacher, can you tell me how dinosaurs fit into the book of Genesis? which was followed by silence and changing <laughs> changing the, the topic very quickly. Oh, no. So uh, that's when I first became a theologian, when I started asking hard questions about faith, about scripture, about how our experience of the world relates to what Christians believe to be God's revelation. Um, that's really what theology does. It's faith-seeking understanding. And I was, as a 10-year-old, I was trying to understand Dinosaurs are not in Genesis, and yet here's the here's the empirical evidence. And so, how do you square this? So, so kind of one thing led to another, and then I went on. I had great teachers in as an undergraduate at Central Michigan University, and I went on to to uh, Princeton Theological Seminary and did my MDiv. And it was during that time that Charmaine and I met and and really discovered we had kind of a, a shared call, and then. Eventually, I went on to do a PhD in theology at Marquette University, which is a Roman Catholic university in Milwaukee. Theology, huh? How did how did we get to that point? I guess there's two things that I that come to mind. One of them is just that my way of experiencing the world is through experience, and so from that time of um, traveling with a seventy for a year. Within a couple of years, I had a job working with youth in the Flint, Michigan area, working with several congregations as a youth coordinator. And for me, that was a place where theology was happening. You know, you go to, a, I went to a lot of congregations and you could really get a sense of <clears throat> how they saw, saw God, um, how they in worship or in youth activities interacted with with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and they were different. And just recognizing those differences really made me curious about why. Why why could there be so much difference within the same denomination, within 30 miles of each other? And, you know, often it's because of a you know, strong personality who is verbalizing the faith. Um but you'd also get to see the conflicts within congregations. And conflicts were often over ideas, over theological ideas or perceptions or beliefs. 
So that was kind of a day-to-day kind of way of realizing, huh, you know, this this stuff is makes a difference. It makes a difference to what kids hear and learn and how they live out their relationship with God. So that was one thing. Another thing that really impacted me was when I went to Graceland University, which is a university sponsored by Community of Christ. And I I just went there for one year, but I remember one particular conversation that threw my whole life into turmoil and helped me realize that I needed to be concerned about my theology. Um, And that was, I was talking with um, an acquaintance about the year I had spent previously traveling with uh, a 70 for a year and talking about him and then also talking about our regional administrator back in my home area, um, and how they're both such spiritual people. And this acquaintance said, well, yeah, but my understanding is that they don't agree on a lot of things. And so here were two people that I thought were like super close to God. And if I wanted to know what God thought, I just needed to listen to them. And (laughs) now it's like, (gasps) if they don't agree with each other, how do I know what God thinks? And, and that really did, that put, threw me into a tailspin. And I was like, how will I know? How will I know? And slowly in the midst of all of that anxiety, it was kind of like, um, this is almost exactly what it felt like the moorings on a rowboat had been cut and I was now out on the water myself. And I, and I realized, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to figure out what my relationship is with God. I'm going to have to figure out how to know what God is saying. I'm going to have to put the oars into the water myself. And that was frightening and exciting all at the same time. So, you know, I can point back to that as being one of those places. And then meeting Tony, Mr. Mr. Theology Brain, and <laughs> and realizing on some of our very long trips different places that we didn't agree on things. Um No. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. And but There was Charmaine's way and then there was the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> well that's right. <laughs> But even on things that we didn't agree on and that we would argue about, um, there was, it was often that Tony would say, well, what you're saying is the same as, and he would name some theologian and what they had said. And I'd go, oh, oh. <laughs> and I should write more of my thoughts down. <laughs> but it was very affirming to the idea that, that yes, you know, um, you know, I could think theologically, I could articulate things theologically. And I think that's probably true of almost everybody. And that's one of the things that when we are out doing classes on theology, we try to affirm that everyone is a theologian. And if we've thought about, you know, how you offer prayer, that's theology. You know, what is it that, you know, if you think about what is it you're going to say, what does it mean? How does it connect with what I know about God, that's theology. So anyhow, it's become just a kind of a natural, everyday kind of part of, it's not just our lives, but most people's lives are affected by theology, whether they know it or not. That is really wonderful to hear. And I'm sure that people would be surprised to hear that, 
you know, the, a theologian and, and you, Charmaine, you've studied theology yourself so much that you would say that anybody can do theology. I mean, how, what a wonderful gift to give to people. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, it's, it's a different place. Sometimes we think about theology as being about what you get out of books and then what you <laughs> spew from there. But <laughs> at its deepest, I think theology is experience is when what we know and experience of God um, finds words that helps to explain it, that helps it be transferable between people, understandable between people. Um, I think that's sometimes a, a more inclusive way. We, we sometimes tell church folks that depending on which gospel, Jesus uh, repeats the great commandment and it's essentially to love God with heart, with mi- with might or will, with mind, with soul. And uh, too often theology has been simply limited to loving God with the mind. Now, we should do that, right? We should, we, you know, Christianity is not blessed by being irrational about things. But at the same time, to love God with the whole person means that you, you don't, you don't just use your head, use heart, will, soul, all the, all, all the human faculties are involved in, in loving God. And theology really at its best wants to embrace all that. The, the greatest of Christian theologians were, were also preachers, practicers of spiritual disciplines. They were bishops. They were pastors. Um, they weren't, weren't just simply locked in universities. So you said something earlier about, um, Christianity is not blessed with not served well by Oh, by being served well by, by being irrational. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what you what you meant there. I I meant that like in in our day and age, Christianity is often represented by what I would consider really reactionary voices publicly, who, for example, want to control what's taught as science in public schools. They want to control what's taught in terms of of reproductive care and and rights and so on, and Typically, lots of people see <clears throat> Christianity as anti-science, and I think that's a misrepresentation of, of Christianity at its best. Um, some of the greatest of all Christian theologians like Augustine or like Thomas Aquinas were very much in tune with the, the best thought of their day and tried to, tried to reframe Christian faith in light, in light of it. And so that's what I meant by Christianity's not well served by, by being irrational. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Tony and Charmaine, for this wonderful introduction. Um, we're going to close down our extra and short shot of introducing you both with just one final extra important question. You know, you've been teaching in Community of Christ for a long time, and I am fairly aware that you have had some really special students in your past. And I was just wondering if there is just one particular blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful student that you thought was maybe your favorite. Are you thinking maybe of this student who was in one of our very first classes at Graceland? I do believe I am. She was extra, extra special, I believe. And what was her name again? Um, Let's see. Was that Melanie? No, (laughs) no. That would be... Carla. Carla Long. So Carla Long, that's Carla, right. you, you can, you can answer your own question, Carla. Uh, mirror, mirror on the wall. 
as usual, I can answer all of my own questions. Well, Tony and Charmaine, thanks again for being here. And thanks for um, being part of Community of Christ and for doing what you do. Project Zion is sponsored by the Latter-day Seekers team from Community of Christ. The views expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official views of the Latter-day Seekers team or of Community of Christ.